What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Heelan, Managing Editor at Pro Basketball Talk, with you as always. And today, look, there's a lot of news to break down around the NBA. The Blake Griffin trade to the Detroit Pistons. Dan Feldman from NBC Sports, based in Detroit, is joining us to talk about it. Uh, We'll talk about where the Clippers go from here and why we like what they did, as well as getting into some of the other news around the NBA, such as John Wall being out for a couple of months and what that could mean for uh, the Washington Wizards. But first, I just want to remind you about not only this podcast and that you can go to applepodcast.com slash PBT on NBC and subscribe, but more importantly, look, the Winter Olympics are almost here. They start on February 8th, same day as the NBA trade deadline. Once you're done with the trade deadline drama, you flip over and start watching all things Winter Olympics from Pyongyang. And for insider coverage of the 17 days of competition in Pyongyang, listen to the official NBC Olympics podcast, which is called The Podium. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, name it. Wherever you get your podcast, the show will be there. Leave a rating and review an Apple podcast, but check it out. It's called The, I'm sorry, The Podium, you know, where they give out those medals. The Podium, the Olympics podcast from NBC and now, well, let's get on to the NBA news. And so we're bringing in our good friend, Dan Feldman. How are you today, Dan? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, we're going to get into, you're in Detroit, I'm in Los Angeles. We're going to get into the big Blake Griffin trade in some detail here in a sec. But I'm going to start with the news that came out Tuesday that John Wall is going to be out six weeks, give or take, to have uh, another cleanup operation on his knee. I'm not sure how many that is, but it strikes me as a lot. Uh that's a setback for a, <laughs> I mean, they're just not the same team without him. You're going to Thomas Sadoransky and, and, and after him, you know, uh, Tim Frazier at the point in Washington, they're not totally safely in the play. I mean, they're four and a half games ahead of Detroit right now. Who's obviously trying to make a push and five and a half in front of the Knicks. They, and they have a really tough stretch of the schedule ahead. This could be a real, a real tough little bit for the wizards as they try to stay in the playoff hunt. It could be, uh, but Bradley Beal has been the Wizards' best player this season. He's done a good job of keeping them afloat in the games Wall has has missed, or even in times when Wall's not in the game. Yeah. Wall's not making the same impact he usually does. So, I mean, yes, they'll miss him, but this is not fully functional John Wall that they're going to be missing, but hopefully fully functional John Wall that they get back. Exactly, and it's, you know, six weeks to two months, you're still talking, you know, 
mid mid to late March or April, he's back for the playoffs when it matters, basically. He'll have time to get his legs under him and be ready to go in the postseason. Um, I think it is a little concerning for a guy they maxed out. I mean, he, these, knees, these knee issues continue to, to go on for him. Even beyond John Wall, I think it's interesting how these designated player contracts for veterans are working, uh, the yeah. unattended consequences of these. To pay somebody like John Wall so much money to lock him up uh, at an age where some players start to decline uh, and then you know injuries are more likely to set in, uh, teams could be really put into tough spots with these. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there is a reason, and there's more than one reason, but there's a reason the Kings got out of it with DeMarcus Cousins because they didn't want to make that decision and, ha- and feel like they were forced into that position with him. Um, a lot of teams aren't going to back out of that, but, you know, they... I would say that these kind of massive contracts are almost impossible to move, Dan, but yeah, we saw one get moved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did. So, we did. I, I, with the Kings, uh, you know, and the Wizards, there there is a middle ground. Uh, I, I guess the Wizards are closer to the middle ground. You could you could say, look, at, well, we don't think this player is worth it. We don't want to lock into him with him. We, maybe we need to trade him. Uh, but you don't have to tell him for a while that you're going to give him that big contract and then reverse course at the last second. Exactly. So, but let's move on. We'll get to the big news out of out of Monday. Kind of a surprise to everyone, just because. I mean, Blake Griffin getting traded to the Detroit Pistons was a surprise, mostly because I mean they did sign him to this max deal and said he was going to be a Clipper for life, and and I didn't think they were going to move him first. I thought you know DeAndre might get moved and Lou Williams might get moved, and then they'd try to find a place for him over the summer. But who was going to take on that kind of contract? And it turns out. Your man is Stan Van Gundy. Uh, was it a surprise on the Detroit end that they went this way? But, they, I mean, they have lost eight in a row, and they've been in a slump, and they've fallen out of the playoffs, and there seemed to be a sense of desperation. Yeah, when you've lost eight in a row, that's always the time to trade for a star. That's always when you're thinking most rationally, especially when your, your president <laughs> is also your coach. Uh, no, it's not surprising that they made a move. It, it is surprising that it's Blake Griffin, uh, for all the reasons you just said. Uh, this has kind of become Stan Van Gundy's M.O. I, I think a lot of this trade is to set up next season. It might be too late for this season, especially with yes. the, the time necessary to create chemistry. But this is what he did trading for Reggie Jackson before the, the trade deadline a few years ago, was to get a head start on the following season. Uh, so I, you know, there's still a chance and a hope that they make the playoffs here, but I, I don't think that's the main priority. Uh, so I, I think it just kind of fits. I, I think the Pistons had to accept that they needed to build for the future. Now, trading for Blake Griffin is certainly an interesting way to prioritize the future, especially when you're giving up that valuable-looking first-round pick. Uh, but I think this is at least a an attempt to build beyond this season. Maybe only for next season, but at least beyond this season. Yeah, I, I got the impression Van Gundy was just kind of... I mean, how secure is his job there? He's got one more year after this one on the contract, correct? And so I think that this was a move of... I, I don't know. It's I did we see the same thing in New Orleans where like where we've got to do something bold. I'm not sure how this is going to fit together. I'm not sure if we have the right pieces around this to make it work. But let's let's go all out and see if we can put something together that that you know. Look, you're putting more. They are putting more talent on the floor. Like you know, in some ways. Although I think we're underselling Tobias Harris a little. Like Boyd Griffin is very good when he's healthy. When he's healthy. Uh, and that's that's the risk with this massive salary. 
you know, you mentioned the, the Clipper life for life aspect of, of all this. The Clipper royalty, I think, was, was the term they used with him. And that seemed to be why they paid him so much, because they had all of all of this equity vested in him, that, that they've come through so much with him. He was so marketable in L.A. It was working out for both sides. They didn't want there to be bitter feelings and take a step back. And, you know, you lose some of that prestige that you've gained through having Blake and there was a logical case of why the Clippers had to pay him that much and had to keep him. Why another team wants that contract when there there isn't this history with Blake, when you're not in this type of market, I'm not sure that makes as much sense. No, and I, I didn't have a huge problem with them keeping Blake Griffin over the summer, although I thought at the time, yeah, look, Chris Paul's gone. J.J. Redick is all but sprinting out the door. Um running off a pick probably while doing it, like two or three, but he was running out the door and not looking back. <laughs> he, it, that was the time. But remember, it was a different GM than you, your you know, head of op, basketball ops in Doc Rivers, and Doc wasn't going to roll over and tank as the coach. He didn't want that. Um, not that they're completely tanking now, but, you know, they're going, we'll see. We'll see what they do. I, honestly, I, I, two things I want to say. A, if they keep this, if they don't make another move, and I still think they'll move DeAndre Jordan and or, Lou Williams before the deadline, but if they don't, this team could still make the playoffs. Look, they were eight and eight without Blake Griffin. They add uh, Avery Bradley can defend at least on ball. Like he, you know, you can give him rotation minutes. I think people are going to start to see that haven't seen a lot of Detroit play or Orlando before that, but particularly this year. Tobias Harris is a borderline All Star in the East this season. Like he's been phenomenal. He gets a little better every year. Eighteen point one points can shoot the three per game, but shoot the three, can put the ball on the floor, does a little bit of everything. There's a lot to like there, I think, and he'll have a lot of freedom in Doc Rivers' system. So I, I don't, you know, if they don't make another move, maybe they make the playoffs, but more than likely they make other moves because this is about, you know, it's really even more about, they, I know they tried to sell Ballmer on LeBron. LeBron's not going to the second team in the market. It's just not. But you could sell on, maybe in 2019, if you put a core together, you can start to try to pitch the number of free agents that are out there in, in that year when there's a bunch of them. So, I, But with Blake Griffin, I don't blame them from the start because of this. He's the guy who changed that franchise. He's the guy where they finally nailed the number one pick. And yes, he missed his rookie year, but from day one, he was the guy who has the crazy work ethic who puts in all this time on his game, who works on his body, who takes things seriously and professionally. And this was, remember, during the Donald Sterling era when that's not really how the Clippers operated. And it was Mike Dunleavy, who was, you know, coach and GM at the time, serving in, served in a couple roles there, but who was finally made that organization, I think to use Kevin Arnovitz's term, put on its big boy pants. Like, all right, look, you've got a real chance here with a quality player. You've got a... You can't have Baron Davis messing up your locker room. Get rid of him. You've got to bring in guys who are professional, and it set the stage to bring in Chris Paul and set up Lob City. But none of that happens without Blake Griffin. He's always the guy introduced last at Clipper games for uh, a reason, uh, although it'll be curious to see who that is now. Probably DJ. DJ for a couple weeks before they trade him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, what, what do you think about the Clippers waiting until – until not this coming summer, but waiting until 2019. It seemed to me that it, it might have been a hard enough sell to get Ballmer on board with uh, taking a step back while remaining somewhat competitive uh, this season, but really going toward 2019, because I think it gets a lot easier for the Clippers 
then just because of their contracts. I mean, yeah. DeAndre Jordan, I don't know where the logical place to trade him is, who's going to give up a lot of assets. But in 2019, Tobias Harris's contract will be expiring. Austin Rivers' contract will be expiring. Boban Marjanovic's, uh, Wesley Johnson's. Yeah, uh, Milos Teodosis. I mean, really, it's all only going to be Gallinari left on the books, and it, you know it could be hard to create major cap space for next summer while still remaining good enough. We've already seen the start of that, right? That yeah. trading Blake Griffin, trading away your top star to for cap space. Other free agents aren't going to look fondly on that. People aren't going to be attracted to the Clippers, but maybe by 2019, you can have something built up by then where where you can have a an intriguing team and still have cap space, but but do you think they would go for that? Do you think Balmer would sign off on waiting that long? I, I don't know if that's what they sold him on, but I think that that's the reality of it. I don't think they can get the there's this isn't the deepest free agent class of stars. I mean, there's a couple at the top. You know, obviously LeBron's going to get a ton of attention, but there's not a lot of big names out there that are likely to be moving around. You know, Demarcus Cousins becomes far more. I hate to say it this way, but but like more interesting as to what happens to him because he seems pretty locked into being a Pelican. He probably stays a Pelican, but there are a lot more questions there now. Um, but there's not a ton of other stuff going. I don't, I don't, this isn't the deepest class. There's going to be movement over the summer, but not it's, it's not as big a free agent class. Where if you, like you said, look, maybe you decide you want to re-sign Tobias because he's playing really well, you can build a core up of, hey, we've got these guys who can go around a superstar or two or however much cap space we can clear out in 2019. We just now have to go get that alpha guy. That's a much better, stronger position to make an argument. It's, you know, the the Boston Celtics to Gordon Hayward argument type of thing. Like, look, we've got all these other pieces. We need you. You can start to make that argument in two years, where they're just not going to be able to make it this summer. They're they're still kind of capped out, and it's still kind of a mess. Even if they even if they find somewhere to dump DeAndre and Lou Williams was a one year anyway, but even if they find a way to get or no, Lou Williams has two, right? It's it's no, DeAndre, Lou Williams is expiring. DeAndre Jordan has the player option for next. What she's going to opt out of. So are you sure? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I would be. Surprised I, I'm leading the bandwagon that I don't take that for granted. He's due twenty four million dollars going to be a tight market uh, especially for centers yep i mean i i think it is unlikely that he makes 24 million dollars next year if he opts out now he could opt out looking for a long-term deal uh but a lot of people are just assuming oh he's going to opt out and get a big raise and get more years and i don't take that for granted it's possible i wouldn't be surprised if there's a team that likes him that much uh, but I definitely am not assuming that that's what it's going to be. Well, let me rephrase that properly then, because I agree with you. It's a tight market. I'm not sure he can get the full 24 over four type of thing. You know, I'm not sure if he gets, you know, four years, 100 million type of deal or something, but from another team. But that said, he thinks he is. I think he believes yeah. he believes it. And I, I think that we'll, we'll see. Um, I don't know if... I think that there's going to be a lot of people this summer, um, particularly big men, really shocked at how tight the market is. Because if you thought it was tight last summer, you wait till this summer. This summer's <laughs> gonna, this summer's gonna make that you know look look nice. So that said, but we'll, he has, go ahead. He has an agent now, but he has an agent now uh, yeah. who can set him straight before he makes a decision he'll regret. In theory, yes. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that goes. It's not always quite so simple. I, but I think it's with the Clippers. I think you're right. I mean, see what you can build up. That has always probably been, though, their biggest problem is that 
through this whole, when you look at the best teams in the league, and the Spurs are, I guess, a super easy example, but even with with Golden State the last few years, yeah, they're at the top. They're drafting in the second round or late in the first, but they find Patrick McCaw, and they find Ian Clark, and they find Jordan Bell, and they develop these guys into people who can be part of the rotation and take some minutes and provide value, and it's something, look, Cleveland has done a horrible job of, but they're not alone. Doc Rivers traded all those picks away when they did keep guys. They didn't really develop them. I guess, I mean, Doc Rivers did develop Austin into a, eventually, into an overpaid slightly, but like, Austin Rivers is now a competent backup NBA point guard, a rotation player you can accept. Um, but I don't, they don't really, they haven't done a good job of replenishing and restocking like that. And now they're a development team, which leads me to wonder if how long, how long it is for Doc Rivers now. Like he's not going to leave during the season, but I wonder if he's back next year. I'm not sure that he is. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, we saw him leave the Celtics because he didn't want to be part of rebuilding. Yep. But I don't know how deep into that the Clippers are going to get. The Celtics plan to be very deep into it, and they, you know, they made a couple trades that that accelerated their timeline in a way they didn't expect. They didn't expect Isaiah Thomas to become such a big star. They didn't expect Jay Crowder to develop into one of the most underrated role players in the league. Like that sped it up. The Clippers, on the other hand, they might not get where they're trying to go. But in the model we're talking about, either they're going into free agency big next summer, this coming summer, or they're waiting a year. But to wait a year, it probably includes trying to be relevant. It might include keeping DeAndre Jordan uh, if he opts in. Yeah. It, it probably includes keeping Tobias Harris. Like, this is going to be a solid team. Uh, the type of team Doc could do well with. He's done an excellent job with the Clippers yes. this year as they've battled injury. I mean, he, he's a coach of the year candidate. And so he might find it fulfilling to stay with this team. Yeah, he might. Uh, and the other reason that Steve Ballmer wants to keep him around, I can give you 10 million reasons <laughs> that it's, you want to keep him around. It's very expensive. Remember, Doc was making GM slash coach money, and it's just expensive to fire him. That's I was told that when the shakeup came um, this season that that was with, with Jerry West and uh, you know Lawrence Frank and everybody moving into positions and, and the rest of that team. The reasoning was... Steve Ballmer, look, Steve Ballmer may have more money than God, but he didn't want to eat $20 million. Like, he wasn't going to, like, what's the point of eating this for no reason? Uh, Doc can still coach the team, and that might still go on for another year, but I don't, we'll see if he wants to stay or, or if there's if there's an agreed-upon deal to get him out and, and make a change. That's possible. There, It's going to be interesting. There'll be some other guys out on, aside the top um, potential, uh, you know, assistants coming up and guys who deserve a shot out there the David Fisdales of the world who should get back, you know, we'll get back into it somewhere. Um, there could be some really guys we know can develop players um, available next summer. I think you're going to see more coaching changes coming. And I'm not, by the way, talking about Jason Kidd. Um, we'll see what happens with guys like Frank Vogel in Orlando. So there, there could be a lot of guys they could go with. It's going to be interesting. In Detroit, I, I'll, I'll, go ahead. I'll say this real quick about Doc. I think he really enjoys living in Los Angeles. Yes, he does. And... And so, like, this is the job, right? If you want to live in Los Angeles and be an NBA coach, this is the job. And I wouldn't be surprised if his second most referable job is going back to TV while still living in Los Angeles. Uh, you can't just leave. You can't leave that salary on the table. If the Clippers want to make a change, okay, as long as they're, they're still paying, that's fine. Uh, but yeah. I, it's hard for me to see 
Doc willingly leaving Los Angeles unless there's just a great opportunity elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't look. Doc loves his golf, and uh, it's hard to golf in Milwaukee in the winter, as I understand. It. Uh, <laughs> there's the, the course. There's winter rules, but it's not quite the same. I think. Um, so yeah, TV. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he went back to TV or if he took another job. It would be Sunbelt team somewhere, like back in Orlando? Question mark. Um, although they just hired a GM, so that would be, you know, he's going to want some power. That'd be interesting. Um, in Detroit, is this, I mean, when you're talking about coaching, is is there a, a fire under Stan Van Gundy after this? In some ways, I, I think it, it increases the pressure, but I think in the most important way, it decreases it. I, I suppose there was a chance. I, I think Stan Van Gundy always had the five years on his contract. I think Tom Gores was a new owner, uh, still trying to figure out how things work, and wanted to see this play out uh, with somebody so established and so credible like Stan Van Gundy is. So I I think it would have taken a lot for Van Gundy not to get next year. But now it seems almost impossible to fire him this summer. Like, you allowed him to make this big move, and unless it just goes completely south the rest of the year, it'd be so easy for Van Gundy to sell, hey, look at we did this for next year. We knew we were depleting our depth, and it was going to take time for, for Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond to establish chemistry. And we're setting up for next year. Like, I made this trade. We set, we did this for me to coach this team next year. How can we go back on that now? And I think that's, a at this point, a credible case. Yeah. Can he, though, I mean, they're really going to be tight financially now with this. To me, they just... They don't have the shooting. They don't have the floor spacing. They don't, even though they hit a decent percentage of threes and take a lot, their floor spacing is not good. And now they've lost two of the starter. I mean, most of their shooting comes off the bench. Are they going to be able to get the players they need to to make this work? Because I think Griffin, look, Griffin and Drummond could be a a really interesting frontline combo because they can both pass. They both pass, but they also both pass in an overlapping way. So it's going to take some adjustments of, of the spots they work from it and how yeah. they do it. Because because they often both pass by holding the ball in the post and letting guys cut and move around them. And and they both can't do that, right? One yeah. of them is going to be need to be more active off the ball for it really to work great. They could both be more active off the ball and take turns doing that and com- be completely comfortable with that. As far as the shooting, it's tough to, to add. They're, this team is mostly still under contract now for next season. Uh, they're barely below the luxury tax line uh, to the point where they probably can't even use their full or even much of any of their mid-level exception next summer. I, I think, barring a trade, and maybe the Pistons have something lined up, this is mostly going to be the team you're going to see next year, which can be good. I, you know, Chemistry is important. Stability is important. Uh, and that uh, can add things. But I, I think we're probably looking at the Pistons as we're going to see them next year, too. Yeah, the other problem with adding shooting, Dan, 29 other teams are also looking to add shooting <laughs> right now. The, the market, if you can actually shoot the rock, is is pretty good for you right now. That's like Every team's looking for that. So there's not, uh, there's not some secret sauce where they can go just, oh, hey, we want shooting. There's all these guys sitting in a pool somewhere we can just pick from. It's, it's not that simple. They, they have Luke Kennard. Uh, yeah, who's looked great. Improved steadily throughout the year. That's his specialty is outside shooting. If he's developed and ready to be the starting shooting guard, 
that makes all of this much easier. It does, and I think I think you're going to have to throw him into the fire and hope that that's kind of what comes along, and then hope that Reggie Jackson is healthy and can contribute because he can. He has he's he's had a good pick and roll chemistry in the past with Drummond, and he can space the floor a little, and suddenly you start to have something there. And that's the biggest reason I don't see this trade so much about this year because Reggie Jackson is still out, and I think they're just asking too much of Ish Smith and Dwight Bikes with yeah. with Reggie Jackson's sideline, where Blake Griffin even without the factors of depleting the depth, isn't going to make a difference other than what they were doing clearly wasn't working. They've lost eight straight. They've been in a huge rut. Like we pretty much knew that wasn't going to work. We don't know what will happen with Blake Griffin. So the unknown is better than the known bad here. But I also think the unknown is probably not going to work this year as long as Reggie Jackson's sideline. But once he gets back, yeah, that does solve a lot of their offensive issues. Yep. How is this playing with the Detroit fan base? Because I would generally, if I were a Pistons fan, I'd be thinking, "Hey, man, we just landed Blake Griffin." <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's probably uh, it's on a spectrum. It's somewhat divided, and I think the the spectrum basically runs uh, from how casual of a fan you are to on one end to how into uh, advanced analytics you are on yes. the other, uh, where plenty of casual fans are excited. But this this fan base has proven over and over again. What really excites everybody here is winning, and you know there's there is a buzz right now. Whether you like the trade or not, there is a buzz here about this, and it could draw fans in the short term. People excited to see Blake Griffin, what he brings. But if this team doesn't win, it's not really going to make a difference in the long term. It's not going to sell tickets. That's what they need more than anything. And maybe Blake Griffin can help them do that. But but that's what it has to be about. And by the way, I wanted to bring that up was that. Was part of motivation for this? I mean, you've again, you're at the games. Is that they're not? I mean, they've moved to the new, uh, supposedly very nice downtown arena, but they're not selling it that well yet. Is is that accurate? Yeah, that is accurate, and it's hard to believe it had nothing to do with the trade. So we talked about Stan Van Gundy's motivations of this could set him up to have the best year next year and stay on his job, and all the complications about all the money Blake is owed and. Uh, this first-round pick that, that they're now going to lose, like how that turns out, that's going to be the next guy's problem unless Van Gundy gets to uh, a season beyond next himself anyway. So he can get there and then deal with it. So that's Van Gundy's motivations, I think, and, and contributed to the deal. But why did ownership sign off on it? It's probably something to do with how little buzz there is around this team. And uh, I think some of that stems from not understanding this fan base, how this market worked, any hope that moving to a new arena downtown was going to attract a bunch of fans just because the arena was new was so misguided. Like, if the Pistons were having a better year, they'd draw fans out to the Palace. And that's really by far the number one factor. They've tried different things over the years. They've jazzed up uh, halftime concerts, getting in some big names. The team was still losing. People didn't come. People will go to Auburn Hills. A lot of the fans are in the northern suburbs anyway, at least a lot of the ticket-buying fans especially. Uh, so people will go somewhere in the metro Detroit area if the team's winning. Whether they're downtown or in the suburbs, I think is a pretty minimal effect. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, by the way, the other interesting thing to watch on the Clippers end is, remember, Steve Ballmer's trying to get a new building built uh, out in Los Angeles. He, they're in the environmental impact phase and in, in this 
the early stages of getting this done in Inglewood, right across basically from the old, where the old Los Angeles Forum, well, or not far from where the Forum is, a couple blocks away, right across from actually where the uh, the new football stadium is going. Um, so it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting if 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 they can get that built, there's op- what's fun is that there's opposition from the owners of the forum because they'll be competing for the same concerts and, you know, who gets the Foo Fighters or who for four nights or whatever it is uh, to come in. The owner of the forum, Madison Square Garden and James Dolan. So it's, it's Balmer versus Dolan in this kind of trying to organize their groundswell of support for or against the, uh, against the project downtown. It will be interesting, but I think them not wanting to completely bottom out tanking is part of that. They want to be able to sell tickets and build, show that their fan base is not just people who couldn't afford Laker tickets. Um, but, you know, Balmer has worked hard to get them out of the Lakers' shadow, which is next to impossible in Los Angeles just because the Lakers are entrenched. They are the number one team in the market. The only team in this market right now that compares is the Dodgers when they've been playing well the last few years. Um, I don't know if the Rams, the Rams aren't there yet. Maybe they get there if they have a couple more seasons like this one. And, but this is still a Laker town. There's still people wearing Laker gear everywhere. And, uh, it's just hard for, it's just a hard, he's got to find a way to shake that identity and get the Clippers their own identity. And a new building would help with that. Getting it built, not that easy, especially in Southern California right now, where you're going to get zero tax. You're going to get a lot of opposition and zero help in terms of, tax money or anything like that to do it. So we'll, we'll see what happens on that end. Um, one other interesting bit of news, Dan, starting Friday, we could see Jabari Parker back with, with the Bucks. How, I mean, we don't really know yet, but the Bucks with Jabari Parker, if he's all the way back for the playoffs, become a lot more interesting. They do. I mean, they, they can use his scoring. Uh, he won't be as big an issue defensively now that they've toned down their aggressiveness to to suitable levels yes. in the post-Jason Kidd era. Uh, and so, yeah, he'll help. It will take him a little while to, to get his legs under him and get back and get everything working. Uh, but even then, they could maybe uh, work him in off the bench in areas where they could probably use the most help. Yeah, and I, th- I think this is one of those teams where, with the new interim coach, with, with um, Parker coming back, I just don't know how dangerous they are in the playoffs, but you know, hey, they've got Giannis, so you've got to worry a little about them. But if they really come together, that just becomes a. Re- I mean, on paper, they're a really tough first round out. There's a reason a lot of coaches are going to want that job this year. Um, if they get that three seed and or the six seed, and they get Cleveland in the first round, that's a tough one for Cleveland. It'd be an interesting matchup. I'd, I'd probably I'd still take the Cavs, but you know, those are the kind of things that could be. Could make it a really interesting postseason out in the East. We'll see how it shakes out. Dan, the the only other thing is, and I left it for the end kind of just because, frankly, by the time a lot of people listen to this, it will be decided, but it has not been decided as we record this uh, not long after the John Wall is out of the All-Star Game announcement. Who gets his spot in the All-Star Game um, due to the injury? The highest-rated guard by media and players not taken was Ben Simmons. Uh, Kemba Walker could be in that mix, though, as a guard that coaches probably rated pretty highly. But the highest-rated player not taken probably probably is going to be Andre Drummond. Wouldn't you say? I mean, they could—they've got a lot of guards on that team. They doesn't have to go position for position, and 
doesn't Adam Silver go off the highest rated player on the coaches' ballots? Not in the yeah, Olymp- he, he he usually does. Although sometimes I wonder whether he checks that first and says, "Okay, I'm I'm cool with that choice," and now I'll say that's my reason, or whether he just says, "Okay, take the highest player among the coaches' vote who wasn't already picked." Uh, for me, I I'd say it should be between. Drummond and Kemba Walker, I see them as pretty close. I'd give Drummond the edge. I think he's just been playing better. Uh, but people are, are pushing for uh, Goran Dragic or Ben Simmons a little bit. Uh, but for me, it'd be Drummond very slightly over Kemba Walker and everybody else is significantly enough behind. Who, who would you give it to if you were in charge? Boy, I See, I tend to like to stick positionally, so I would probably go with Kemba, who I think has been better than... Ben Simmons, even though Simmons finished higher in the kind of overall voting, I'd probably go with Kemba, but I would have zero problem with Drummond. Again, the wild card spots could go either way. There were a lot of guards on that team. Um, if Drummond's in there, he's earned it because, as we've talked about when we did the the mock draft and talked about the guys who didn't, you know, who would be our reserves, and we both had Drummond in. Uh, he has been phenomenal, and he does the things that help teams win that coaches notice and start player other players notice but aren't necessarily sexy. Like, he gets his points, but, like, he is the best rebounder in the game right now. He is really, he has some real, does some stuff that's really important uh, that just, you know, look, they don't show a lot of rebounding highlights on SportsCenter. That is true, and some of the things he does as a passer, but I think coaches also notice how his defensive effort and awareness uh, fluctuate considerably. Yeah. Uh, I think they also see how Stan Van Gundy, a pretty respected coach, hasn't always been on the same page with Drummond. Uh, not that these things are that would like stop him from being an all-star. You know, it, was a, it was a close race in the East before the injury, uh, but those could be the little things that, that put him on the outside looking in. Absolutely. All right, Dan, everybody can find you on Twitter. Where again? I'm at Dan Feldman NBA. Then we'll be back next week talking a lot of, a, a lot of trade deadline information. So, Thanks for listening, everybody. Again, go to applepodcast.com slash PBT on NBC and subscribe. And we will be back next week with more Pro Basketball Talk podcast. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.